Hi gang! This is Dana Snyder, the voice of Master Shake, and I also played a voice of Zinger the Tidy Cat on an internet-only Tidy Cat campaign, and I never listen to none taken. So I guess we're just sitting here, huh? <laughs> no, I'm reading. I'm, no, I, <laughs> I, I'm not making fun of you for that. I'm just saying, like, I don't know. I don't have a whole lot to talk about. We don't have to drag anything over. <laughs> yeah, I got all this audio. Yeah. yeah. I have not heard the whole speech, like, from front to back. But what about back to front? <laughs> that neither. Should we hit record? Yeah, one, two, three. All right, you ready? I am ready. Are you recording? Yes. <laughs> All right, well, you want to start a show? Let's start a show. That podcast is filling your head with garbage. No offense taken there. Well, it sounds like none taken. Welcome to None Taken, the internet's only debate current events show with your hosts Dustin and Alan. Shout out to Reverend Peyton's Big Damn Band for the use of their song Ways and Means for our intro music. Thank you for joining us. The time of this recording is Tuesday, July 20th, 2021. It's a great day for America. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, and Alan is in the San Francisco Bay Area. We are here recapping another week of current events and sharing way too much of our tragic personal life. Please subscribe right now wherever you're listening to this. And please leave us a five-star review. Be sure to tell all your friends about us. You can find None Taken on Instagram, Twitter, and of course our Facebook None Taken Superfan group. Remember, the first show is free. After that, head over to our Venmo and search for None Taken and chip in for what you think is fair. Your support keeps this show going and we'll get us a billboard. Alan, what is up? What is up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Uh, you know, I had a pretty good week last week. And I actually got up to uh, up North Bay in Petaluma. Uh, went and saw my son up there, hung out for a while. Got to, We took the dog to the park and... You know, we, we had a good time. It was nice. It's a little smoky up there. Uh, the fires in Sacramento um, or north of Sacramento um, aren't really impacting air quality that much here in the Bay Area, like right on the water. It all I blows west or blows yeah. east, right? Yeah. Right. Um, but but up there, there's a little bit more of a valley kind of mm. effect. It wasn't like super bad. It's sort of up upper in the atmosphere where you don't really like smell the smoke, but it's just there. Uh-huh. You can see it almost kind of like a fog. Hmm. And it's a little warm. Yeah. Yeah, like a haze. How far uh, north of San Francisco is it? I mean, uh, Sa- Sacramento. About 150 miles. Okay, that's right. I think you said that. Yeah. Um, so no, that was that was fun. I uh, got to hang out with him. It was a nice, nice little Sunday. And then on my way back home, uh, Hen House. Hen House is a brewery up there in, in Petaluma. Actually, Sounds I didn't like go to a the bachelorette brewery. party. <laughs> it, it totally does. <laughs> Have you had Hen House before? I've never heard of this. Really? Yeah. Okay, they've been around. They've been around here for probably many years. Many I, Al, Alan asked me if I went to Richmond. Where do you live? <laughs> El Cerrito. El Cerrito. I didn't go to El Cerrito. No, but this is in uh, Petaluma, though. Oh, so well, shit. I don't know. You, you like, know what? It turns out things can be old, and I still haven't been there because we're old, and they could have gotten there in like this 2006. Yeah. Have you been to Lagunitas before? Of uh, no. 
Oh, okay. It's literally like across the street, a block away from okay. Hanging's. Anyways, so Hen House is a pretty big brewery up here. Been around for quite a while. And they do a um, a beer annually, like a special beer, sort of like uh, Russian River does with mm-hmm. the uh, Pliny the Younger. Mm-hmm. So they do one like that. It's called the Big Chicken. And I, <laughs> yeah, I never tried it. Kind of beer. And I was, it's an IPA. Ah. It's an Imperial IPA, actually. Mm. Yeah. And well, so so is... Um, the one the Russian River does, and for like years, that that yeah. Planet of the Younger was rated as one of the best beers right. like on the planet. Right. I never got to try it. I don't know. I, I heard it was maybe a little bit overrated, but whatever. Anyways, so um, I've been I follow Hen House on Instagram. And I've been seeing them talking about this and where they were going to have uh, kegs available. I didn't want to go to the brewery because I figured it was going to be crazy crowded, but they had it at Hot Monk in Novato, um, mm. which was on the way on my way home. So I popped in there and I tried. I had it, you know, they, they give you a 10 ounce pour because it's it's a 10% beer, right? El, El <laughs> pretty, Pollo Grande. Yes. Yeah. Pretty high ABV. And I don't know what it is about like the, so like wine is typically around 14, Dude, 13%. I can't do this math either. Yeah. There's weird alcohol math. I was just doing this the other day. It's like when a beer goes from being 5% to like 7%, that shouldn't make a difference, but if you have wine that's like thirteen to like fourteen percent, or I mean, like eleven to fourteen percent, you're like, whoa, what the fuck? This one's strong, right? Yeah, but so I feel like I can have a glass of wine and it's kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm, it does doesn't really phase me that much. Right. But, but you drink a ten percent beer and it's like, oh my god, holy shit! You know, like, different spirits hit you differently. I think. Too, I think it's you know? the way your body metabolizes it. Probably is yeah. something to do with well, it. Well, I think that's always been the thing with absinthe. People talk about it being a hallucinogen, but it's like, no, uh, no it's just a lot of alcohol at once. Like yeah. your body has to metabolize it, and it's coming in hot. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, I'll be honest, man. I I didn't like the beer. Oh, it, it wasn't. Yeah, I, I don't. Too much I don't chicken. Drink <laughs> I don't drink a lot of just regular old IPAs anymore. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm more, I'm, I'm really into hazies. Uh-huh. Um, and IPAs, I don't know, they just don't really do it for me that much. Regular IPAs don't, don't do it that much for me anymore. And this one, I was, I just didn't like it into, at all. That's like going Wasn't the other direction. It, yeah. Yeah. So I had one and I was like, yeah, this is not great. But I, yeah. I got to get a pretzel to, you know, kind oh. of to what is it, a pretzel <laughs> chill out like a little bit. Soft one? Yeah. Big soft was one with some beer crispy, cheese. Crispy crust. Like, I mean, there's a good snap to it. Yeah. Nice. But what was the color? Middle? What was the color like? Was it like dark brown or light brown? Jesus, you can matters. Me. You're really specific. I know, about but I'm your curious. Uh, it was a, a medium oh, to okay. medium brown. I like like yeah. when I can't. I like like a dark brown looking pretzel. Like I just something about it feels like it's cooked. I like feeling like it's like it's got more of a snap to the outside. Like it has mm-hmm. better crust. I like this. I like the crust, and then you got to have the salt, the sea salt oh on there. God, yeah, yeah, and then yeah, they had really good beer cheese too. You should get a cup nice. of salt on the side next time. You, you actually, that's a really good idea. <sighs> Just jab it in that, jab it in the uh, mustard or the right, yeah, and then right in the mouth. All right. <laughs> uh, Anyways, so this weekend, how about you, man? What'd we you went to? to the East Nashville Tomato Art Festival. So they have this like big East, tomato. Wait, festival. hold on. So I'm East Nashville. You. So East Nashville is like the hipster part of town. It's literally tomato? like tomato. Yeah, it was a tomato festival. So um, I actually did no research on this and did the whole time at the festival and didn't really care to find out why they like tomatoes so much. But people go there dressed as tomatoes. You have to wear something red to be there. Like, you don't have to, but come on. Like, be a sport. Um, They had uh, three stages, at least two stages, and the stages kicked ass. 
The bands were That's great. Awesome. Yeah, it was so much fun. We met some people there actually, and then hung out with them on Sunday. It was a blast. And then like we had some people. And I just talked about college football. Everybody was in love with Petra. She was being such a good girl. On her way back, well, what's to the, not to love? She's adorable. I know. On her way back to the car, she. Oh. What happened? She slipped out. She slipped. So we lost control of her leash. Oh no. And I stepped on her leash to like slow her down, but she just like tugged out from under my sandals. And then I went chasing after her and she and went she out. She thinks it's a game. Yeah. Well, yeah, probably. And that's what they say. Mm. And, but I mean, what are you going to do? Not get your dog. Like we're also telling her to sit and like, you know, and, like how many people are at this thing? Is there like thousands? Um, thousands of at this here? point we were kind of off on the street that we parked on. Okay. Uh, but it, it's still like 35 mile hour street, something like that. And she goes out in between the cars and then goes out onto the street and makes like a very sharp right turn before she gets to where a car is. Alan, if Mm -hmm. I tell you this, also know that I spent like a good couple days shook and not able to even tell this story. She hit the car. What? Yeah, Petra hit a car. The car was stationary or moving? It was moving, but you should see the car. (laughs) Petra's fine. What the hell? I can't believe it. She's fine. Like, I can't believe it. She's like bounced off of it. I mean, she didn't sound like she was happy about bouncing off of it, but I mean, given the options, like, okay, so here's literally what happened. She went out into the street. She ran into like the hubcap, like the center of the tire of a moving, of a moving Escalade. But I was like 10 feet behind her. And when I saw that happen, I didn't really want to look at it. I was like, I'm sure I just saw my dog get hit. So I closed my eyes because I was like, there's another wheel, you know? And then I like kept running towards her, but I was like, well, I'm not going to look at that. And then the next thing I knew she was like off the street and onto the sidewalk. And I'm like, I don't know what condition she was really in. And I like, so I spent the next day or so just completely shook. Like I would pick her up when in the middle of the night, I'd pick her up first thing when I wake up and just be like, I just can't believe you're here. Like, wow. uh, And she's fine. Not a scratch on her. She has some bruises on her paw. I think if, I think what happened is her foot went, at the edge of the tire and the tire mm-hmm. flattened out like as it as it rolled for you know what i mean yeah uh-huh. and i think it pinched her toe like wow i can't believe it dude i cannot believe it that's incredible kind of well, put a damper on the rest of the weekend the next day yeah. we went to our new friend's house hung out with them and then we came home it was a good weekend man and it had a fucking miracle on it man that dog's a fucking miracle dude <laughs> I, I don't. I didn't mean to scare you. And Natasha told me not to like make it like an alarming story. Too dramatic. Yeah. yeah. Did I? <laughs> no. Okay. I mean, it was dramatic enough. But yeah, no, damn, I don't know how dude, to sell I, that. Like, she. Wait, if I just jumped to she hit a car, you'd be like, yeah. okay, we'll start from the beginning, asshole. Right. Like, right. Yeah. Right. Okay. I could explain. Wow. Well, I'm glad she's okay, dude. Yeah, That's man. Scary me as fuck. too. Me. That's too. crazy. Um, do you want to get into a Dustin ask questions before we do headlines? Yeah. Let's. A couple episodes ago, you were talking about your brother and finding out that he's into QAnon. Not QAnon. What'd you say? He's anti the current vaccine. Oh, that's right. Right. (laughs) Fully (laughs) told myself it was QAnon. Um, Well, have you noticed that there's a pretty significant overlap of people that are, quote, at the when you were telling me that you said he's like wasn't very political before. Mm. Right. Right. Have you noticed there's a pretty significant overlap of the people that are, quote, not political and the ones that were harnessed by MAGA and to kind of be that new form of populism? Definitely. Yes. 
like almost to a T. Anyone that I know that's like still a Trump guy either had like really inconsistent politics or straight up has told me, you know, I was never really into politics before him. What do you think that's about? I think it's about harnessing the people that feel like uh, that that feel hopeless and that they're being lied to or feel. I think if you well, find if there's a good I, population I remember, of people that feel like they're being lied to and that their situation is hopeless, they're kind of willing to believe a lot more. I think it's even more than that. Though. I think I remember talking to my dad, like texting him after Trump won and just saying like there was uh, one <laughs> that there, you know, there were a lot of people who didn't think the system was working for them. Uh, and and this was. Uh, you know, fuck it. Let's try this option. But haven't like, you seen that happen for people where the system was working for them and they literally were just not political? I think, yeah, I guess that's true too. That's true too. It's strange. Oh, right? It is strange. Well, the, maybe the system was working for them and they didn't believe it was. But that's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, or it wasn't what right. they saw their parents having, maybe, or what they expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. Which is which is a legitimate, yeah complaint okay all right well well then, shall we get into it yes all right am i taking this one yeah why don't you start uh so obviously this is the biggest news of the week of the day perhaps of no oh, i don't know for a while uh man. it's that's for let, a while it's yeah. big uh so the taliban took control of afghanistan's capital kabul sunday we're saying it as now? the what do they kabul, say on MSNBC? Kabul, kabul sunday as the afghan government collapsed and President Ashraf Ghani fled abroad. The Taliban now controls all major cities in Afghanistan. He was being chased by abroad? <laughs> if it could, okay. it's just as a side note, say his name, Ashraf Ghani. Ashraf, Ashraf Ghani. Ghani. Uh, Afghani. Yeah. Afghani is in his name, but across two words. Ashraf yeah, Ghani. Ghani. But the last yes. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven letters is... Afghan. It's literally Afghan. I don't yeah. like this. This simulation is such bullshit, dude. The, the, yeah, it's <laughs> bad a, writers. <laughs> the Taliban then declared a general amnesty across Afghanistan, portraying themselves as more moderate than their brutal ru- rule in the 1990s, while many Afghans remain skeptical as they consolidate power. Uh, the U.S. accelerated the evacuation of its Kabul embassy and certain Afghan citizens following the Taliban's rapid takeover. While the Kabul airport was secured by U.S. forces, it devolved into a scene of chaos as thousands of Afghans attempted to flee. Um, we saw some video of that we put on our Instagram. Uh, just yeah. complete. I mean, it, we watched that movie. What was it? Greenland like a month ago. Yeah, yeah. It had a scene like the, that, huh? It had a scene like that where all these people were, were like just storming this uh, military base where people were going to be evacuated from. It looked very, very yeah, it's uh, not eerily reminiscent. Comfortable to see to things like that happen in real life, right? Like, no, yeah, it's, it's like that's supposed. Yeah. To, you're supposed to see that and be like, "Well, that's Hollywood." Like, thank you for scaring me, but yeah, right. it, Biden ordered a bunch more troops there. I don't even know if the numbers from the reports we brought in are accurate anymore. Thousand more some, troops. Right. Okay, so uh, th- he brought in thousand more <laughs> troops, bringing the total number to five thousand. I thought it was six thousand, but I know it's not more than six thousand at least um, to aid with ongoing evacuations, according to a statement from Saturday. All of this leads us to Monday evening when President Biden addressed the nation on the situation in Afghanistan. He had a 19-minute speech acknowledging that Afghanistan's fall to the Taliban unfolded faster than anticipated, but firmly defended his decision to withdraw U.S. troops. Do you want to get into that audio? We have some clips here. Yeah, let's do it. Actually, you know what? Before we do, Mm -hmm. 
I don't know about you, but maybe it's a low bar. This was hands down the best speech I've ever given, heard him give. Um, in terms of speech giving, uh, you could see in the, if you watch the video, you could really see like the micro movements of his eye while he's reading the teleprompter. There's times where he says the wrong word, goes back and fixes it, which is an improvement for him. I'm not going to give him a hard time for that one. And we know he's got a speech impediment. Honestly, though, like throw all that shit out the window. Wait till you hear this audio. It, if this isn't the person that we've been asking for as a politician, that someone on the other side of the aisle could be like, you know what? I don't like you, but damn it if you're not saying everything I've wanted to hear from my president for like the last at least three, at least the last three, I wish would have said something like this once. So it was a dream come true to me. I, you know, I voted for George Organson, but it made me feel like that's my president, man. I liked this. That's I'm glad to hear I'm you say that. Stand about this guy. I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> no, I'm glad to hear you say that. I, I think it was a great speech. I also think that you could tell that he was passionate about it, and That's... there were times where he was like pissed off. Like yeah. you could tell, yeah, uh, and real for good reason, yeah. Um, and it didn't feel like bullshit. So that's that's yeah. a good start. I do want to know who wrote it. I'm interested in finding that. I'll try to find that out. Maybe we'll be listening to one of these. Taking place in the last week, and the steps were taken to address the rapidly evolving events. My national security team and I have been closely monitoring the situation on the ground in Afghanistan and moving quickly to execute the plans we had put in place to respond to every constituency, including and contingency, including the rapid collapse we're seeing now. This is our longest one. It's about a minute. I'll speak more in a moment about the specific steps we're taking, but I want to remind everyone how we got here and what America's interests are in Afghanistan. We went to Afghanistan almost 20 years ago with clear goals. Get those who attacked us on September 11, 2001, and make sure Al-Qaeda could not use Afghanistan as a base from which to attack us again. We did that. I mean, I don't know what, I, I, I feel like somewhere along our, I, I, I feel like the war in Afghanistan, and we'll talk about this more with Brewer on Friday, uh, Dr. Brewer on Friday, but, I feel like the war in Afghanistan just became a part of our environment, like what we live in so much that we forgot why we were even there, even though the government that started it or the administration that started it knew very well and all the ones that succeeded them that they just kept shifting the goalposts and changing the objectives and continuing this war. But like, that was why we were there. Like it's, it's we were there because of the group that, planned 9-11 the group of saudis mm -hmm. belonged to a gang in mm -hmm. afghanistan we asked right. the taliban will you let us come in and you know eradicate them taliban said no because they were in charge of afghanistan and we said okay well if you're gonna say no we're coming in with force and it was a popular thing to do by everyone in america except for i'm raising my hand libertarians at the time and we forgot why we were there once we were there we're like well we broke it now we have to fucking fix it and then we're like we should probably make them all a democracy it's like motherfuckers like people have to die to do that shit and none of the nobody none of the people there seem to want that like just you know he'll get into this more but i mean i loved that he opened that up with that yeah i mean i think that you know a 20-year war uh especially halfway across the, the globe uh, the public does tend to 
sort of forget it is just it's background noise um and and so as the the mission kept evolving um from one of as you said just to go get the terrorists go get bin laden um to one of nation building and creating a you know a democratic you know example of democracy in the middle east um which is crazy as a mission for military to begin with. Right. But a military, sort of, a military, maybe a government right. can like negotiate with another government and help with that. But a military right. a is military. so ill-equipped for that. Anyone that yeah. went through basic training and then progressed through that career. I'm, I'm sorry. Like the, your first Wait. role, the first thing you did was learn how to be a soldier. Like, sorry, like, sorry. Well, I mean, and they had some brilliant generals over there that, you know, were, were trying to do some things and, you know, hearts and minds, all that stuff we heard right. about. Didn't we talk about this like 15 years ago? I'm actually having deja vu. I feel I like we did. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like this war came around as the Internet sort of was pubescent? Do you feel like if it as as it matured, we did with the Internet, mm -hmm. the world became smaller, but it also became dimensionless. Like the fact that the other side of the world was so close to you because you have a smartphone or the right. internet also made Twitter, whatever, this, yeah. made that distance not matter. So it was like it's happening on the other side of the world, but it also is happening like in your pocket and and like in a space that I can compartmentalize. And it just became a line item in the budget, mm -hmm. and we just it was endemic. Yeah. We never gave up the hunt for Osama bin Laden and we got him. That was a decade ago. Mm -hmm. Our mission in Afghanistan was never supposed to have been nation building. It was never supposed to be creating a unified, centralized democracy. I've argued for many years that our mission should be narrowly focused on counterterrorism, not counterinsurgency or nation building. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean that, yeah, the nation building was never part of the plan and it was never a good idea and it never should have been the plan it it's you know during covid we talked about how we're learning to fly the plane or build the plane while we're flying it and mm -hmm. it's like they just thought everything there would be so just you know one way and then it became another way and they just were like well i guess we'll uh turn it into a country that we like now and they'll be an ally when we're done it's like not to mention the billions of dollars we sunk into it. Uh, you know, we built a really nice airport over there. Um, you can see it when the people are clinging to the C-130s as they're trying to leave. Today, the terrorist threat has metastasized well beyond Afghanistan. Al-Shabaab in Somalia, Al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula, Al-Nusra in Syria, ISIS attempting to create a caliphate in Syria and Iraq and establishing affiliates in multiple countries in Africa and Asia. These threats warrant our attention and our resources. So I'm not going to lie. That's pretty much the part of the speech where I was like, oh, how? hold on. Are you telling us what the next Afghanistan and Iraqs are going to be? Because <laughs> he just went on a list of, look, we can't keep fighting this war in Afghanistan. We need to start new ones. And here's the list. <laughs> well, I think what he was saying was that that terrorism is not confined to a single place right uh, on, on the planet yeah anymore. why would you have two wars would, when you can have seven or or at least you know have some Wait, we already have seven we have like 13 yeah well yeah i get it you don't want to be cynical with me that's fine i still don't like that one. <laughs> we conduct effective counterterrorism missions against terrorist groups in multiple countries where we don't have permanent military presence if necessary 
We'll do the same in Afghanistan. I think he answered your question there. Is what he was saying was we don't have to have uh, forces permanently deployed in an area simply to deal with terrorism. We we can we can go in and deal with that without having a force permanently in Afghanistan if that were to become another hotspot. I mean, I like it if it actually leads to peace. When I came into office, I inherited a deal that President Trump negotiated with the Taliban. Under his agreement, U.S. forces would be out of Afghanistan by May 1, 2021, just a little over three months after I took office. The choice I had to make as your president was either to follow through on that agreement or be prepared to go back to fighting the Taliban in the middle of the spring fighting season. There would have been no ceasefire after May 1. There was no agreement protecting our forces after May 1. There was no status quo of stability without American casualties after May 1. There was only a cold reality of either following through on the agreement to which draw our forces or escalating the conflict and sending thousands more American troops back into combat in Afghanistan, lurching into the third decade of conflict. So is this a false choice? Like, is there a third way? Like, could they have tried to bring the Taliban back to the negotiating tables and say, look, give us a couple? I mean, I guess, wait, that's what they did, right? So he committed that's to- That's what they've been doing, yeah. yeah. That's what they've been doing. They have been right. ongoing negotiations. I think it was good that he pointed out that, you know, this, like, we had no choice but peace. I mean, I love whatever mechanism put that out there. Like, that's no, I agree. to be appreciated. I agree. And I also want to point out that, so multiple presidents have said that they were going to pull out of Afghanistan. He's the first one to actually do it, including our last president. And um, the one before, and his old and boss. The, and his old boss. Uh, and... And yes, Trump did uh, make the agreement that we would leave. Uh, but he also though, escalated it in 2017. That's right. That was when that's Brewer right. went there. And, right. And so what he was talking about there with the whole the spring fighting season is uh, that typically during the winters, which are very difficult to move around in um, in Afghanistan, crazy snows and very cold. They all buckle um, down. They kind of buckle down. They kind of batten down the hatches and sort of wait for the spring before they, you know, come out and fight again. Uh, so that was about to happen. And unless we were going to withdraw, you know, we're we're back in it basically. And and that would have escalated. Everything would have escalated. Everything would have escalated. Yeah. Yes. I stand squarely behind my decision. After 20 years, I've learned the hard way that there was never a good time to withdraw U.S. forces. I always promised the American people. I will be straight with you. In the shoulder. The truth is, this did unfold more quickly than we had anticipated. So what's happened? Afghanistan political leaders gave up and fled the country. Damn. The Afghan military collapsed sometime without trying to fight. If anything, the developments of the past week reinforced that ending U.S. military involvement in Afghanistan now was the right decision. American troops cannot and should not be fighting in a war and dying in a war that Afghan forces are not willing to fight for themselves. I think that was maybe the most powerful thing he said in this entire speech. Um, 20 years in that country, uh, you know, the whole... The, the verbiage was 
they're going to stand up so we can stand down as, as as much as like 10 years ago. I think that was being said by our, our political leaders, right, by our president. Um, and they they were one of the best equipped armies on the planet. I mean, 300,000 strong by the time we left seven trillion dollars put into this war and seven trillion into training. I don't know. Seven trillion probably into the whole war. But I mean, just for a long time, it hasn't. It, it's been about training up the Afghan army. Right. And they had all the best training and all the best stuff. And, uh, the, you know, basically the Taliban walked in and there wasn't even a fight. Um, so and you could hear in his voice that he was yeah. pissed. Yeah. You know, he was pissed that Ashraf Ghani just bailed and left the country. Dude, yeah. He so said they pissed. just left. They turned around and left. Yeah. Apparently he didn't even. Apparently. He, he didn't even tell his cabinet that he was leaving. He just got, got in a helicopter and like failed deuces uh yeah um but that was the guy that told him he didn't want to let people evacuate before because they would stay strong well he didn't want it he didn't want to appear that there that the american government was concerned that the the afghani government might collapse and so if they evacuated people early then it would seem like you know do you think after we we look into this more we should have been more assertive when having that conversation with them and you can't make them and you can't make them Absolutely. Yeah. It's their country. Yeah. We spent over a trillion dollars. We trained and equipped an Afghan military force of some 300,000 strong. Incredibly well equipped. A force larger in size than the militaries of many of our NATO allies. We gave them every tool they could need. We gave them every chance determine their own future we could not provide them was the will to fight for that future it doesn't it sound like he's calling the afghanistan like the spoiled kids of the u.s like i got you the best cleats i took you to all the practices i got you on the best fucking travel team why are you not a pro baseball player <laughs> yeah i think that's because i don't want your life it, that's actually a really good analogy yes no that's that's perfect man i agree you're gonna do the next Definitely. one this is my favorite line but if Afghanistan is unable to mount any real resistance to the Taliban now, there is no chance that one year, one more year, five more years, or 20 more years, the U.S. military boots on the ground would have made any difference. It is wrong to order American troops to step up when Afghanistan's own armed forces would not. And it could have been 10 years ago, too, right? I was just going to say, I think the, what he said is true, but I think the reverse of it is also true. That if, if you know, we've been there for 20 years and it hadn't happened yet, or what they weren't capable of standing up then, it wasn't, they weren't going to be capable of it a year from now or five years from now. They also, so five years ago, we could have left and the same thing would have happened and no, the outcome would not have changed. Yeah. The political leaders of Afghanistan were unable to come together for the good of their people, unable to negotiate for the future of their country when the chips were down. They would never have done so while U.S. troops remained in Afghanistan, bearing the brunt of the fighting for them. I think it is true what he said. There was a lot of corruption within the Afghani government and has been for quite some time. Um, and it just seems like all the billions that were poured in there, you know, a lot of those politicians uh, pretty wealthy these days. Huh. Um is that what is that what he's implying? Uh, I don't know if he's directly implying that. That's, That's what I'm implying. I like it. Uh, 
Um, and so what was what was the point? You know, like mm-hmm. they so political power enabled them to amass some wealth, uh, but but they weren't particularly apparently. God damn it. Oh, that's they, too. They they didn't seem all that interested in actually maintaining their country or do anything to to propel it forward into you know the next decade. And our true strategic competitors, China and Russia, would love nothing more than the United States to continue to funnel billions of dollars and resources right. and attention into stabilizing mm-hmm. Afghanistan indefinitely. We loved it when Russia did it. When I hosted President Ghani and Chairman Abdullah at the White House in June, and again when I spoke by phone to Ghani in July, we had very frank conversations. We talked about how Afghanistan should prepare to fight their civil wars after the U.S. military departed, to clean up the corruption in government so the government could function for the Afghan people. We talked extensively about the need for Afghan leaders to unite politically. They failed to do any of that. I also urged them to engage in diplomacy, to seek a political settlement with the Taliban. This advice was flatly refused. Mr. Ghani insisted that the Afghan forces would fight. But obviously he was wrong. Dude, he is pissed in that. He's like, he's like, dude, I told him this and he didn't. I told him <laughs> right. that. He obviously didn't listen. Like, I, I like <laughs> this. And yeah. it's not like childish. Like, I'm saying it childishly. But he's like, look, what are we supposed to do for them? Yeah. No, I think it, as a leader, sometimes you have to, you have to show that you're passionate about something and, and, that the outcomes that you're seeing are not acceptable and not okay mm-hmm. right and i think that's what he's doing and you can tell like he's like no we we laid out a blueprint we had the conversations we did the things that were supposed to get us to the next steps and they they didn't carry their end of it mm-hmm. and that's that's bottom line people give uh, people are giving the administration a real hard time but like i mean i i do see how this process should have unfolded differently and could have but we did try to talk to him about the scenarios that could be done that right. would be better and he sounds like he refused to it certainly sounds like that if yeah. we're to yeah and the, the administration is is taking a lot of heat for for the way that we withdrew um and, and maybe there was a better way to withdraw but i feel like um you had to rip the band-aid off at some point yeah, but and, people are saying like, you know, we saw the planes coming out and like people leaving in like mass over the last weekend when it was like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Why mm-hmm. not do that earlier? Is the answer to that that we talked to them about doing this and they said, no, 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 no. we can defend ourselves. And yes. we're like, yeah, but let's talk about this civil war that'll come up afterwards. They're like, sure, we'll talk about the civil war and cleaning up the corruption. But like in terms of like evacuating, we don't need to do that. Yes. And, and our intelligence agencies were were saying that they thought that the the capital at least would survive minimum 18 months after we pulled out and that's not, not even close not even close to what happened on the ground russia uh, but, did again, have a better was, long term but yeah yes but russia again, also didn't try to form a new government that's right. the thing like 
That's what failed was the government we tried to, the seed we tried to plant did not grow and we refused to give up on it. And that's a like very fucking charitable bullshit way of looking at this war that killed millions of people. But, but it, it should have been identified as something that couldn't grow and accepted and left earlier. And to people that wanted it to happen more smoothly, I'm sympathetic to that, but I am happy that it's over. We do get into that more emotionally and more in depth with our guests. I think that's right. And I think that's right. And also I do want to say like, I've, I've said a lot of times here on the show about the, the billions of trillions of dollars that we've invested in this, obviously that's just the financial aspect of it. And we've, there's been a huge loss of life on both, you know, the U S side and the Afghanistan side that, you know, civilians included, that was not, was not needed. It didn't have to happen. Right. Yeah. And there was effects on, on like the, the effects of this war were, were way outnumber the people that actually left the country and were deployed and went to war. Like, me and you having never left and gone to a war zone have been affected by the war in Afghanistan or the war on terror rather. And right. And more broadly. Like, yeah. It's just, it's, it's impacted our lives for bullshit. Like, mm-hmm. like the objective was to, and I'm not even, I don't even want to argue about whether it was a good objective or not, but just the objective was to squash out Al Qaeda and find bin Laden. Right. By, by the longest timeline, it should have ended after bin Laden in 2011. So why? Just. I think because, I mean, if, if I know that question is probably rhetorical, but. Yes. The, the, the presidents that were in charge could see the writing on the wall and knew that if they pulled out. This they would look like was this. Gonna, and they didn't want the black eye. Black uh, eye. And, and maybe black eye. Oh. And maybe. <laughs> you know, there's a um, there's a term in video games. It's called a tank. Um, the tank is the the unit. Like mm-hmm. if you're playing with multiple people, yeah, and you're trying to fight a boss, well, run through the barricade and take all. Yeah, the, the tanks. The tank is the unit that takes all the damage, yeah. right? So that way, your your more squishy characters can get in there and do some damage to the boss right. without taking any damage and dying. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe Biden's the tank here. Like he's the one that's like willing to fucking take the damage, take the arrows. They're probably like, gonna put it on his tombstone. Well. Yeah. Well, I mean, at this point in his career, you know, the decades he's had in public office, you know, his age, I mean, maybe he's the guy. Like, he's yeah. the guy. Well, that's, that's like, certainly what it. he sees himself as, doesn't it? Right. And to me, this speech is, it, makes and, him that. And, and, yeah, it's the best. Embodies that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. That's why it connected to me so much, too. I'm clear on my answer. I will not repeat the mistakes we've made in the past. Mistake of staying and fighting indefinitely in a conflict that is not in the national interest of the United States, of doubling down on a civil war in a foreign country, of attempting to remake a country through the endless military deployments of U.S. forces. Those are the mistakes we cannot continue to repeat because we have significant vital interest in the world that we cannot afford to ignore. I also want to acknowledge how painful this is to so many of us. The scenes we're seeing in Afghanistan, they're gut-wrenching. We will continue to support the Afghan people. We will lead with our diplomacy, our international influence, and our humanitarian aid. So I thought that, first of all, that was a really powerful clip as well. Um, The Daily, the New York Times Daily podcast had an episode last week, this week, I guess, um, where they had an individual uh, on that lives in Afghanistan, an Afghani person, um, 
sort of reporting on what her life was like as this uh, she she lived in Kabul as the Taliban sort of closing in and how she was trying to get her family together and keep them safe and, and try to escape the country. Um, and I, I found the episode to be really moving. Not because it, not in a way where it moved me to think that we should still be there or we shouldn't have left um, the country or we should just have a forever war. Not not in that way, but just in the way that there is real human um, consequences to to what's just happened in that country this last week. Um, and uh, it's it's kind of it's a little bit heartbreaking and it's it's easy for us to sit here on a podcast and sort of armchair quarterback and and sort of zoom out and look at it in a macro level and say, well, you know, we shouldn't have probably ever been there in the first place, or at least at the very least, we should have left when we completed the initial mission with the reason for us to go there. Um, but there are real people being impacted by this. Um, and I think it's we have to keep that in our thoughts as well when we're talking about the this New York stuff. Times that did the series Caliphate that was widely discredited <laughs> had a woman mm-hmm. on who went only by the letter M or R. Talking about her experience living there in a manner and on a podcast of a newspaper that is like known for being infiltrated and like promoting bullshit. That was a thousand percent of CIA plan. I'm glad you were moved by it. It was moving, but I was like this. This, this is clearly a plant by the CIA to get us to stay in this war and get the New York Times subscribers to demand it, which literally, I think, until this speech came out, was the popular sentiment on the left. This is bullshit. What an embarrassment. I, 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 in terms of my timeline of how I was consuming the news, this was a pivotal point from what I saw in like Twitter timelines and Instagrams. Uh, even to the extent that like other libertarians I know were like, this is his best fucking speech, man, and I don't like him. Like... Right. Yeah, but I I don't really think it was a CIA plant, but it sounded like one. <laughs> yeah, when I texted you that I thought the episode was moving, I think that was your yeah, initial it was my response. response. Yeah. But I but just to be clear, I it it wasn't moving in a way where I thought that we should just stay there forever. Right. That was I not know. What, I get it. They didn't get to you. Yeah. Good. No. <laughs> All right. Next uh, one. We'll continue to speak out for the basic rights of the Afghan people, of women and girls, just as we speak out all over the world. People were crying about that. They were like, this is a human rights catastrophe. And it is. But like, so what, we should stay at war? Like, are you telling me that like war is the is the better alternative? Like, like, a, like yeah. a lot a lot of people were saying that this that, that we should stay. So I, I, I appreciate what he talks about the humanitarian angle. Like the, a, a, an important thing that's going on right now is that, you know, what women aren't allowed to go to school. People's right. lives are going to be impacted in a horrible way there. Um, exactly yes. like it was before the U.S. invaded with an objective that they have accomplished, which also let's not lose track of the fact, track of the fact that we invaded another country. And like, I guess they'll be cool with that later. Like, I don't know if I lived there, I wouldn't be. But it's just why I'm a libertarian, because I think like that. Sorry. Watching all this unfold, there was a part of me that was definitely thinking, are, are we creating terrorists right now? Like, are there are there teenagers? Yeah, but staying at war would do that. No, like, no, I, I, I know. I understand that. But are are there going to be terrorists 15, 20 years from now? They're going to look back and say, you know, death to America because of this. Uh, yeah, I'm, I don't, I'm willing to bet that someone who thinks that jumping on the side of a plane is just going to like take off land, you'll be fine. 
and having sure. learned the hard way probably would also look at this and be like, well, fuck that country. So right. like I, I, you know, yeah, I think you're you right. Know, I had another thought and I don't know if this makes any sense, but I'm going to try to make it make sense. Do you remember the book um, Flowers for Algernon? Yes. It was kind of like, I think it was required reading. Yeah. Like, yeah. All right, so the story is that there's this guy who's a, a mentally handicapped, right? Yeah. And um, they try this drug on him. There's a, a mouse they try the drug on first. The, that, the name of the mouse is Algernon, right? Um, and so uh, they try this experimental drug on him and he he gets better. Like he improves. He becomes this sort of like erudite, intelligent person. Um, he falls in love with the person who had been his caretaker previously. And, you know, he really has some great experiences. But then the downside is that they find out that this this change isn't permanent. And so his mental capacity starts to decline. Right. Mm. And he's aware of it, like he's experiencing it and he knows that he's getting worse and where he's ultimately going to be in the near future. And so at the end of the book, he's kind of, he's, he's back at square one where he started basically mentally. Right. And the, it's just profoundly sad. And it's you're kind of left with the question of. Was, was the experience worth it at all? You know, mm. was was it was it worth it for him to experience that? that peak of his life only to see it taken away from him slowly. Right. So you're and asking to, like, was seeking vengeance worth it for us? And what did it cost us? So in this, and so if we're mapping that onto uh -huh. this is like, I, I kind of said this a little bit when we had that interview with, with, with Brewer, Brewer for the Friday show. Right. Is that sure. There are people who were, were positively impacted by, um, the U.S. being there, I'm sure. You know, I saw interviews. They're they're replaying interviews on on some of the news channels of, uh, you know, 2012, 2014, where they're talking to these young kids, you know, Afghani children, 12, 13, 14 year old girls and boys about their, what they think of their future and the future of their country and how excited they were and they were getting educated and you know all this stuff. Um, and then to see what we saw over the weekend, how it just just got you know went to shit so quickly right yeah um i don't know it feels like a similar trajectory you know like where there was some glimmer of hope and then it was just all taken and i i don't it's a, if i'm going to answer my own question no i don't think the journey was worth it like um but i don't know i don't know why that got stuck in my head no i, I follow it no you know yeah. what's funny is i do remember that book i thought you were talking about harrison bergeron at first different oh, story no, different yeah, huxley different story. though right yeah. right all right next uh, you, yeah i think or, this next or do you have more to say about that no i don't i think it's very okay. insightful well, let me lay out the current mission in afghanistan i was asked to authorize when i did six thousand u.s troops to deploy to afghanistan for the purpose of assisting in the departure of u.s and allied civilian personnel from afghanistan and to evacuate our Afghan allies and vulnerable Afghans to safety outside of Afghanistan. We have safely shut down our embassy and transferred our diplomats. Over the coming days, we intend to transport out thousands of American citizens who have been living and working in Afghanistan. We'll also continue to support the safe departure of civilian personnel, the civilian personnel of our allies are still serving Just Afghanistan. nailing that teleprompter, Joe. <laughs> Operation Allies Refugee has already moved 2,000 Afghans who are eligible for special immigration visas and their families to the United States 
I know there are concerns about why we did not begin evacuating Afghans civilians sooner. Part of the answer is some of the Afghans did not want to leave earlier, still hopeful for their country. And part of it because the Afghan government and its supporters discouraged us from organizing a mass exodus to avoid triggering, as they said, a crisis of confidence. Yeah, I think this will be kind of addressed already is that the reasons that they didn't evacuate people sooner was as he just enunciated. That does sound like a good excuse. I think there's going to be investigations into this. I'm pretty sure the Republicans are going to go hard on that. Hard on. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and but, you know, we'll see in the future. I don't know. But I think he 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 raises a good point. You know, they did everything the best that they were capable to do, given the limitations that the Afghanistan Afghani government uh, put on it. And mm-hmm. if that's true, then, you know, I, I would, again, I would just wish that there was a better way to negotiate, but <sighs> this is the government that they're asking for. It's their country. You know, we were the invading force. I think that to make demands when leaving does not like, I don't understand how that works with leaving. Right. No, I think in hindsight, that will not look like a good, good idea at all well but like no i mean to make demands in leaving like you don't have any leverage to do so it's like i'm leaving so in order to do so i need to make sure that your government like i'm i'm gonna evacuate your city it's like no okay i guess you're right i can't do that okay well you really should well we don't think so and it's (laughs) like all right well hope your city doesn't fall apart over the weekend (laughs) yeah yeah our current military mission we shorten time limited scope and focused in its objectives. Yet our people and our allies as safely as quickly as possible. And once we have completed this mission, we will conclude our military withdrawal. We'll end America's longest war after 20 long years of bloodshed. The events we're seeing now are sadly proof that no amount of military force would ever deliver a stable, united, secure Afghanistan. Tom Segure. As known in history as the graveyard of empires. True. Mm. Our mission in Afghanistan has taken many missteps, made many missteps over the past two decades. Great job reading. I'm now the fourth American president to preside over war in Afghanistan. Two Democrats and two Republicans. I will not pass this responsibility responsibility on to a fifth president. I will not mislead the American people by claiming that just a little more time in Afghanistan will make all the difference. Nor will I shrink from my share of responsibility for where we are today and how we must move forward from here. I am president of the United States of America and the buck stops with me. Dude, I mean, I like that. I had a number of points where I wanted to jump in on that one, but there's just so what the, he he's not going to pass it on to another president. I appreciate those lines. I I appreciate the sentiment of it. The yeah, man. Like no, I I, I couldn't agree more. He's uh, the book stops here. Uh, that's that, I mean, he's he's a president. That, I mean, he when he was in the Senate, he was he voted for these wars, but he also mm-hmm. was opposed to the troop surge. He definitely felt like he was persuaded. Uh, into Iraq and he regretted it. He had an yeah. aide or one of his like top advisors that really got in his ear and persuaded him that 
how, how wrong he was and like really showed it to him and it convinced him and he's been against these actions since then uh, even in Obama's White House he was not a fan of what happened I, be I believe I, he was not a fan of Syria while Biden was walking while um, Obama walked that to the line he, mm -hmm. he, I that's true I believe he was in his ear demanding him not to I I um, this is on brand with him I think and he I don't think he likes taking this L but I think he knows that, like you said, he's the tank. Wow, that's weird. Yeah. All right. This is our last <laughs> clip from that speech. Oh, no. Play that next. Our mission to degrade the terrorist threat of Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan and kill Osama bin Laden was a success. Our decades-long effort to overcome centuries of history and permanently change and remake Afghanistan was not. Those are some pretty serious terms, man. Like, I, I I, really appreciate the frankness. Like, when I said he's saying the things that I say in private, things I say into this fucking microphone. Right. I'm like, what What world is this? <laughs> this is the same week that Jack Dorsey tweeted out a copy of Anatomy of the State, like a libertarian, like, Bible. Um, actually, no, I have four new liberty. My laptop sits on top of a different book. Uh, but by the <laughs> nice. same author. Uh, and, and then Scott Horton the the of antiwar.com was trending on twitter it's just like it this is it it you very it's it's not satisfying because we still went through all this bullshit but it is yeah. it is kind of good to hear people be more anti-war recently it's very um inspiring it's motive it's hope it makes me hopeful i'm all for it yeah i'm absolutely all for it i made a commitment to the brave men and women who serve this nation that I wasn't going to ask them to continue to risk their lives in a military action that should have ended long ago. Our leaders did that in Vietnam when I got here as a young man. I will not do it in Afghanistan. I know my decision will be criticized, but I would rather take all that criticism than pass this decision on to another president of the United States, yet another one, a fifth one. I, I found myself just like nodding my head like through, through that entire clip. Like, yes, dude, a yes. fifth one. Yeah, we got to find out who the speechwriter is for the next show. I'm not looking it up. I tried, I couldn't find it. I, I mean, I looked it up for a second, but we're not doing that. Yeah. Um. So that those were good clips. I wanted to add a couple others. I'd like to go back a couple days to this press conference. Some some Vietnamese veterans see echoes of their experience in this withdrawal in Afghanistan. Do you see any parallels between this withdrawal and what happened in Vietnam with some people feeling? None whatsoever. Zero. What you had is you had entire brigades breaking through the gates of our embassy. Six, if I'm not mistaken. Did something like that happen to that airport? The Taliban is not the South. No. No. no that, and the airport's not an embassy also. Like, it's uh, the so actually the embassy you know they the Taliban agreed to sort of so is that shot that everybody had of the helicopter was it just like landing at the airport? Well, they were they were ferrying people from the embassy okay. to the airport, but it wasn't off a roof. No, was it? I, I don't. That was just so. an angle, right? And that meme just yeah. went all over. Like yeah. that was just like a helicopter landing. I mean, I understand that why you would make that meme. Yeah, it, it, it seems opportunist. I'm sure they sure. Shared, they were like, "That's the spot. Don't take it." Okay, that's right. the picture. Like right. it had to be framed perfectly. All right. right. North Vietnamese Army. They're not. They're not remotely comparable in terms of capability. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy in the of the United States from Afghanistan. It is not at all comfortable. 
uh do you want to play that next piece um i i don't mm-hmm. know if this is worth sharing we can see do you this was about uh well first of all i don't want to forget this she said vietnamese vets not vietnam vets vietnamese vets. Vietnamese so vets. veterans from vietnam have that specific opinion okay that's odd can i just read yeah and maybe maybe this fits maybe this doesn't but you tell me um so i subscribe to a uh a newsletter it's a political newsletter it's a progressive newsletter right um and some liberal rag sure it's a liberal rag i'll trying to find his name a uh, jordan uh Zacharin. i don't i don't know i don't know who this guy is i I've, i think i followed him on twitter and i i find him interesting yeah. anyways so he doesn't really talk about um you know anything but domestic politics temp- typically but he commented uh on this obviously because it's impossible not to so i'll just read this the two paragraphs real quick uh this morning every sunday show host asked secretary of state abe lincoln <laughs> what he says, Anthony, I, I was, you know, mm-hmm. whether we were witnessing a Saigon moment in Afghanistan, referring to the last helicopter leaving the country, because everything is seen through the lens of political campaigns and the covers of books they sell at Hudson News. Consummate D.C. rag Axios called the pullout a stunning failure for the West and a traumatic turn for veterans who sacrificed in Afghanistan, as if the American mission there hadn't been a stunning failure years ago. Axios also called this Biden stain which goes to show just how short-sighted they are and how much of their news coverage is driven by the whispers of vampires in their ears. Dude. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, you know what? This was a real failure on Sunday up until then. <laughs> it was perfect. It was, it was easy. No issues at all. Yeah. Yeah. Right, Cause up until then it was just a line item in the budget. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. Next one. Yeah. I love that that was last week. What he's saying is that we we can't be held responsible for the the, the outcomes of, of that country if that's what the outcomes of the people that live there want. Yeah, or, um, or, or are not willing to fight against, right? Right. And so be that out of fear or be that out of something else. Who knows, right? But like, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. of course, the Republicans had to trot out their war horse. And I mean that literally. Our cycloptic <laughs> friend, Mr. Crenshaw, came out. Uh, I got a couple of clips from his audio. What, did, have you heard it? I don't think I've heard all of it. No. Why don't you play the first clip? Okay. Look, you have a lot of people who've been using emotional slogans to drive foreign policy. They say, bring the troops home. You know, no more endless wars. And that's fine. But here's the reality on the ground. There's two choices that we have. Okay, You either have a residual security force or you have an Islamic authoritarian uh, emirate that is killing people and providing a safe haven for terrorists and bringing us right back to the situation that was pre 9-11. And that doesn't make people feel very good when you lay out those options, but those indeed are the options. And this was always going to happen. Okay, is that a false choice? He just told us we only have two choices. I like, my hair stands up and I'm like, fuck you, tell me that. Like, I'm out, I can always walk away, right? It's kind of why I don't vote. So he says you have two choices. You have security force, which is residual a nice way of saying war. Force. Yeah, yeah, residual security force. Is a nice way of saying mm-hmm. a war that you can always inflate. Because we were down to several thousand at one point with Obama, and then he mm-hmm. inflated it. 
and or you can be or you can allow it to be an emirate that is i mean just translate that into saying it'll be where terror comes from and you don't fucking know that but you know how you do get that you stay out of war for 10 years for 20 years blowing up weddings and ruining people's lives yeah no, I, I agree. Let them and blow I, up their own weddings. Let them have a civil war. I don't want that, but there's no need for us to be there. And we're going to the exact same position they, they were at before any of this started. And I resent him saying that the anti-war crowd falls off on, on emotional slogans, uh, endless wars and no war. Like, you know what? I you want to talk about emotions? Like, what, what emotions were you feeling when you were a baby when this started? Because I was an adult. I remember feeling I don't want these adults that lead our country to react so emotionally and go do this. And everyone, I worked at a fucking pizza place. Everyone called me Bin Laden because I had a beard. This <laughs> happened. And then I quit soon because I didn't want to work in that environment. Like they, like I became ostracized because I voiced and said, I don't think we should go to war. Right. No, I... so fuck you, six-year-old Crenshaw. Like, I'm sorry. He was like six then. He's like my brother's age. I remember talking right. to my brothers at that time. And being like, you know, do, do you want to be excited about going to war? And they were like, oh, no. Yeah, I guess it was just kind of exciting. You know, like, it, I resent being told that I have emotional slogans that attach me. It's way more in-depth than that. And you don't have to play the rest of these clips. That was good enough for me. No, I, I think that was well said. <laughs> Thank I, you. I, you should resent it, and I agree. I'm, I'm right right there with you. I resent the Republican Party for trotting him out there. You know that they're emphasizing that because he's oh, of uh, special forces. and Veteran, they, yes. Yeah, yeah. So you can't yeah. say things like what I said unless you're on a <laughs> podcast listened to by dozens of Americans. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, well, we're really going through history right now. I We can't go to half just ignoring what, Really, like when this news broke on Monday morning about Afghanistan, they were like, okay, we'll talk about Haiti tomorrow. We're not going to talk about Haiti in the second half, but I mean, how much is there to say? A horrible 7.2 magnifi- mag- mm, 7.2 magnitude earthquake hit Haiti on Saturday, killing at least 1,300. I'm sure that number has been updated, uh, injuring over 5,000. Uh, obviously, we know they're going through a political crisis and economic crisis and a pandemic along with the rest of us. And as of today, they were expecting a rainstorms of up to 10 inches of rain. Just fucking Christ, man. Yeah, uh, it's <laughs> pretty fucking horrific. I, that, that tropical storm, by the way, um, did it sadly it? named no no it's the name it's it's named grace and so oh, that just seems Jesus. like a bad choice. you know when you uh, shake up the name generator and it lands on g and it says grace you just shake it again right shake like, it there's another gertrude like yeah let's oh. not do grace okay that, yeah uh, so so yes the the death toll was updated it's it's close to 1500 at least the last i saw um this while it was a larger slightly larger earthquake uh on the magnitude scale in the 2010 earthquake it's been less disastrous it's been less disastrous. It was in a. It struck in a, a less populated place. Um, and it was during the day too, right? So yeah. is that good? Like people maybe were out of their houses. I'm sure that was that would probably helped. I mean, there was a. I think 200,000 people died in the 2010 I don't, earthquake. You know what? I don't know. It was like the. It was a lot. It was like the tsunami. You're like, just tell me a number, right? I believe. Yeah. It. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, the 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 storm coming on top of that uh, could be could be really bad especially they're facing COVID as well um so man it, it's 
it just feels like the Haiti can't catch a break, man. Yeah. It's it's been a rough year. So well, and they're actually in a worse place sort of economically and politically than they were in 2010. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's 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 not good, man. It's yeah. not good. Well, hey, let's uh skip the DAQ. Let's go to half and we'll come yeah. back and do a few more headlines, talk about our movies and shows we watched and get out of here. It's this is going to be a little bit of a long first half. is the B-side of our platter, sports fans. And I'm singing just for you, covered in sequins. <laughs> in the canyons of your mind I will wander through your brain To the ventricles of your heart, my dear, I'm in love with you again. Um, so, kind of have a Dustin-esque question that leads into my first, uh, we actually have some lighthearted news, thank God, in the second half. Um, so, Jeopardy has new, new co-hosts, or new hosts. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. Uh, I think that I was sh- hoping for LeVar Burton. A lot of people wanted LeVar Burton. I was in a world like where I just assumed someday Alex would die and Ken Jennings would ascend to his rightful throne. And it <laughs> disappoints me. Outside yeah. of that, I, I, I'm surprised they didn't use Watson to have an AI Alex Trebek. <laughs> don't you think they could have done that? In the age of COVID, he's not walking up and shaking hands and talking to them. Just talk to me from the podium. I'm over here. He's also yeah, a I guess well, Watson's I guess the computer the, that IBM made that beat Ken Jennings. Right. I I, 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 I get the, that don't. I, I get that. <laughs> but like part of like a game show host is that they're like quick on their feet mentally. And some of the moments that are greatest on game shows is when you get this sort of organic, funny moment that happens just That's between. True. We played the a bunch of them. We and, had the Alex Trebek clip. Yeah, right. Where just the host engaging with the the contestants is is the what really makes it. And I don't know that an AI could do that. Or maybe it could, Alan. And you're taking away their jobs, anyways. <laughs> uh, I guess my question would have been, who would you have picked? But you said Lavar Burton. I like it. Lavar yeah. Burton. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Well, Mike Richards, not Michael Richards. N word screaming failed comedian former Seinfeld, Seinfeld character uh, he is not he this person but uh, he's this person who um, th- this was one of the people on the selecting committee he's an executive producer for Jeopardy he like selected himself yeah it's like that meme of Obama giving Obama a medal <laughs> right. and then they put in the woman from the Big Bang Theory which was from, is that who she is yeah and she was from another show when we were kids I didn't I recognize her name care. Um, yeah. she's How also are they like an two anti-vaxxer hosts? what how are they having two hosts like i, I don't care trade? who cares i don't watch jeopardy anymore now like i don't watch jeopardy in forever I'm, well no i do but i was looking forward i was like i stopped having interest in the hosts while they were going through the search um, yeah. because again i was like you put ken jennings on for his week and then i stopped watching because it's like ken jennings gets <laughs> this show soon and then they didn't uh, do it so i don't care just listen to his podcast all right i was gonna say i think he has a podcast yep, yeah yep all right um, uh CDC recommended that pregnant people receive COVID-19 vaccines, Alan, uh, noting that these pregnant people are at a higher risk for severe illness from COVID-19. I uh, knew Dustin's questions. Um, What are pregnant people? 
But does um, it mean like the couple needs to get vaccinated? No, I, I think they're talking about the person carrying the baby. Maybe okay, we have I, to look, ask I, what their I'm pronouns being, are. I'm being, I'm being um, at a little stinker about this, okay? And, I know and you I get are. it. And I have respect for people that want to be called whatever they want to be called. But, like, are they getting upset because somebody says pregnant women? Uh, I, I mean, I, 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 I'm not saying they can't. Like, I, here, like, come on, fix me. <laughs> Tell me what I'm wrong with on this. And I don't know if better. I can fix you on this. Yeah? Although, if you actually read the article that's pointed to in that headline, uh-huh. it does say, U.S. pregnant women. Oh, really? In, in, oh, in they, the article So itself. they are virtue signaling by definition <laughs> because they're saying it on their headline. And then when they read it, they're like, look, do we have to keep this up? Nobody's down here. Yeah, women. <laughs> it look, says around 105,000 pregnant U.S. women have been infected with COVID-19. Isn't motherhood and womanhood the same thing, Alan? And they were made from ribs and God made the oh, earth 6,000 years ago. <laughs> All right. Do you want to do this next one about cars? Sure. The U.S. auto safety regulators opened an investigation into Tesla over its driver assistance uh, system. Driver assistance system. That's too system. many. S's. Yeah. Autopilot, citing a series of crashes where Tesla cars struck vehicles at emergency response scenes. Okay. So what the fuck? Are they like targeting like cops with their lights flashing? Uh, did they misread like the, the lights as a green light? What's happening here? Oh, okay, also so- there was like seven... 18 accidents or like 11 accidents there was like a shockingly small number of times this happened and i'm pretty sure human beings driving fucking cars drive into emergency scenes 11 times a year yeah that's this is true the 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 times when this happened however were very like a human was gonna see that and and that wasn't you would think so so a couple of things here so first of all the auto drive or whatever they call it, the driver assistance system in Tesla's is supposed to require that a human be behind the wheel. There's supposed to be some like a uh, feedback yeah, response like where contact you, it feels your or something. Yeah, it feels you touching the, the and some of them read your eyes, but yeah. not Tesla's. Yeah. So there's apparently. Oh, Whoa, does that count? I don't know. Half, we got to ask half, the umpire. Okay. Did I swing or not? I think. So it, I think a I check swing, but yeah. watch yourself, counselor. Okay. Um, so there's a way that you can get around that safety feature on the Tesla, which yeah, and, it, and it, it seems to be relatively easy to do. I mean, I think we've all well, seen so what? Like you're the, telling me that you can ghost ride the whip too, Alan? Like, right. like it's, well, it's still. I think we've all seen the videos on like Insta or whatever. Yeah, where people, of people sh- like jam, sitting like an in orange in there or something. Yeah, or they're sitting in the back seat while the car's driving down the freeway or stuff like that. Um, so that's not how this system is supposed to be used. Um, a real driver who was actually paying attention would not have caused these accidents. However, so what what's happening is that when you have an unusual sort of interaction on a freeway. So let's say you're traveling down a freeway and because there is an accident, there happens to be emergency vehicles on the side of the road. Maybe they're even in the lane. Um a, a, norm, a human would be able to see that pretty far human. away at a pretty at a pretty far distance and react to it. Um, the the sensors on the Tesla don't have that kind of range, and so it, it's confusing because it's not a thing that happens very often. So they're seeing it fail. But mm. again, if if the system was used as it was intended, there should be a human there backing that up. Um, so I think it's good that they're investigating this. I think that probably what would come of it is that they would make that safety system harder to override. Um, and that would be the solution. It feels though, like self-driving cars. Oh, 
I, that's like what I was self- hearing is Tesla hates cops. Oh, okay. Maybe. It feels like self-driving cars are actually further away than we thought they were, maybe. That's true. Yeah. I think we shared some articles about like yeah, how, how far away the different levels, because there's like five levels of self-driving cars. And it's just, there's there there's just a lot of technology needed and also a lot of, um, like depending on your perspective, loosened regulation needed. But this regulation seems to be effective at preventing things like this from happening at a faster rate. So we'll see yeah. what comes from that lawsuit. If there's more to it, I'd love to hear more details. Uh, the U.S. declared a water shortage at the Lake Mead Reservoir on the Colorado River, the nation, the nation's largest reservoir, mm, trigger, <laughs> triggering water cuts in Arizona, Nevada, and Mexico. I think that should have said, oh, no, Mexico, yeah, starting January 2022. Okay, what did I just say? So it's going to cause water cuts in Arizona and all those places starting January of next year, so a few months from now. Uh, mm-hmm. At the same time, National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration released new data on Friday reporting that July was the world's hottest month on record. Can't be related, right? Weird. Didn't we just talk about yeah. climate change on last week's yeah. episode? So what's interesting is that this was being sort of hinted at by Re- Republican Governor Doug Ducey, Republican, mm-hmm. right, in yeah. Arizona. Uh, and he was saying, like, you know, Arizonans need to take charge of their own state and watch their own you know, water use, and we, they need to know that these things are going to come into effect. As Nevada has taken on at least, I think, like another 800,000 citizens, people, new, new mm-hmm. residents over the last like 10, 15 years, something like that, they've actually yeah. conserved 23% more water. So it's, a, it's possible, but people just don't want to do it. And then a lot of this money goes to agriculture. Water goes to agriculture. They talk about – I listened to somebody uh, on the Economist podcast saying that they arugula costs more to grow than they can sell it for so they you know that water use is being wasted i'm like why on earth are you fucking doing things that cost you more to make than sell like don't grow arugula there like that sounds like the (laughs) failure of a market because of government but yeah i agree did you listen to that uh, skeptics guy where they talked about hydroponics yes yeah so that would be the future future. so it'll be vertical farms in closed systems so you lose so 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 little water yep um you can just recycle it as it you know evaporates into the air yeah uh yeah arizona is actually going to be one of the hardest hit regions by this they're going to lose uh 18 of their share uh of the river next year Uh, about eight percent of the state's total water use this was all allocated how much they got is allocated in like the 1930s with estimations of what the water flow would continue to be like and like like they fucking knew anything then like yeah they're like we've looked back the last 50 years it'll be that way forever it's like they didn't even do core samples or anything they don't know nothing yeah and also uh farmers in central arizona will be hard hit because the water that they were getting was water that was deemed extra quote unquote <laughs> so basically Less water extra that, coming yeah the, the water that wasn't already allocated if they had some extra they just kind of said okay you guys can have it and that's not obviously there so this this cut is caused by the water level um of lake mead and it's going to be so the the cuts are happening because it's at 40 percent of capacity which is significant right yeah the the uh the no that's yeah 40 percent of capacity <laughs> yes like beyond half not 40 yes. percent down no hey do no. you think they're gonna lose that cove where pam anderson and tommy lee fuck <laughs> on that boat <laughs> i'm sure it's already gone oh, man. i mean well it's like it's like the side of a yeah you know, it's up cliff on a cliff the point. point to be like yeah. that's 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 where that man. happened 
That's uh, I forgot all about that. I didn't. Whew. Quite the <laughs> hog. Oh, he used right. it to drive the boat. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you got this next one. Why do I know this? I don't know. I, this I is why we do the show. Reminding me though. So that now I'm seeing it in my mind. Around in my head. Yeah, yeah, we, I can get them out. Yeah. All right. The, U, the U.S. Census Bureau released more detailed data from the 2020 census that will be used to redraw uh, congressional districts. America's white population, now 58% of the U.S., shrank over the last decade, while Hispanic, uh, Black, and Asian populations grew. Yeah, uh, Hispanic, Black, and Asian combined, I think, are at like 35 or like 38. I feel like I added it up earlier. So it's like 38 percent and yeah, 50, sounds right. 37 38 yeah. yeah then 58 percent. if you add that up it's like 90 something like 90 so those what other... are these 10 percents? once you get those 10 percents in that group alan the whites only have eight percent left is that how i'm supposed to read these things <laughs> it's a culture war alan i think so yeah <laughs> okay well i'm glad we did that uh yeah. the the there was another article i saw from the washington post where it said uh a county the, the, the headline was the county is no longer predominantly white. And I was just like, you're dick. The county or the country? That, exactly. They said the county. And okay. I was like, oh, you have a lot of comments. I see what you did there. Oh, like, you were trying I saw to piss that post, off. actually. Yeah. 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 Uh, do you, do, is it my turn on the hackers? It is. You're hackers, the crypto guy. I'm the crypto guy. Hackers yeah. stole $600 million in cryptocurrency in a cryptocurrency heist, one of the largest ever, targeting Poly Network yesterday, but started returning some of the assets. So all said, they've put all $600 million back into a wallet that Poly Network controls. That's but, crazy. But they haven't given them the keys to access the wallet. So Poly Network can see that all of the all of the all the, the crypto is back, but they're like, no, fix your shit. So this was a white. So this guy's calling himself a white hat hacker. He's calling. He's asking to be called Mister White Hat, and he he or his group, uh, they they actually have. There's an article I sent you. It's from CoinDesk. I'd recommend it. it's called Poly Network Hack Attacker Prolongs Return. Uh, it's pretty funny written the way they quoted the guy it doesn't look like english is their native language um the <laughs> yeah. the the attacker now says they are considering accepting so poly network offered them five hundred thousand dollar bounty to to give the money back and right. the hacker is now saying um i'm actually thinking about using that as a reward to fund someone else who can hack into your site because you still aren't fixing shit so, so he's trying to expose vulnerabilities. Yes, and Poly, they are and Poly Network has been on the phone with him or like in contact with him, being like, "Okay, Mister Hacker, did I do everything you wanted yet?" They're on like phase two of whatever the fuck they need to do to fix this. Like, I just looked at my wallet and I was like, "Well, thank God I don't have a Poly Network one. I'm good." But uh, Poly, Poly Network, this is my favorite part of the story. Poly Network also said it is counting on experts like the attacker to help improve the security of its network. And with that in mind, was inviting him to be him or her to become Poly Network's chief security officer. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is happening? I mean, I dig this Quite approach. Quite the turn of events. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> no, I, it's, I think it's a good approach as well. Yeah. I mean, that's, and he's it's, saying or she is saying that that is their motivation you know, to begin with. Yeah. Uh, so Poly Network, Wolf as Wall I, Street, right. Right. As I understand it, Poly Network is sort of like a brokerage, like yeah, a, like a Coinbase type thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, interesting story. Yeah. Right? I, I didn't realize it had that many wrinkles when I saw the headline and nobody's really talking about it. Crypto's going up, by the way, my ADA is doing well. Nice. Yeah. Uh, nice. 
do you want to do these last two? We have yeah. a couple of econ, econ economic econ, e, e, easy for you to economy say. based ones. There we go. <laughs> the USDA permanently boosted benefits under the SNAP food assistance program by over twenty five percent compared to pre pandemic levels to an average of one hundred and fifty seven dollars per month. The program's largest ever single increase. I imagine it's not easy to get increases pushed through agencies like that, right? I imagine and not. Especially I mean, big if, ones like 25%. Yeah, 20, we're talking about $157. No, sure, whatever, but they increased it by 25%. Do you feel like, so what's, uh, so in a related article, the consumer price index rose by 5.4% in July from a year ago, in line with June's figure and continuing the quickest pace of inflation since 2008. I know Alan's on record on this podcast saying he's not worried about inflation, but I'm telling you that the USDA is like, okay, if we're paying people to eat, we need to give them a 25% increase because who knows if we'll be able to give them more money later. Alan, this is going to the moon. We're going to see all the inflation I warned you about and you need to get yourself a Bitcoin so that you can... Uh, be on right, the well, arc and uh, globalists. All right, <laughs> couple counterpoints. Okay, so hundred. I can't railroad you on your own show. One hundred and fifty-seven dollars a month is a ridiculously small amount of money uh, to try and feed a family with. I, I, I mean, I feel, you know, if people in the if position you live in California, this, it is. I think in a lot of places it would yeah, be. Anyways, uh, so. Looking at core inflation or, or CPI, uh, yes, it rose by 5.4%. But if you look at core inflation, which takes out uh, food Liberal food statistics, uh-huh. <laughs> it's actually uh, it went up 0.2%. Okay. Or point, wait, I'm sorry. No, that's car prices. So car prices is stabilized, actually. That's good. Um, so, okay. 0.3% is what core inflation rose Good thing by. you fixed it from 0. 0.2. Okay. Yeah. Well, well no, I'm but glad you brought out new metrics. That's, that sounds like a modern monetary theory statistic. I've never heard of that one before. I don't know. It's been around for a very no, long time. I'm not listening. Okay. Uh, but just real quick. So a, a large portion of the reason that we saw inflation, if you, if you look at the CPI, is fuel costs. Uh, mm, and mm -hmm. fuel costs are going to the roof. And so that's... They're also not making driving. oil. Biden just was like, OPEC, come on, make your oil. And right. they're like, we'll think about it. I mean, I don't know what it costs around around where you are, but it's almost like five bucks a gallon it's, for me. It doesn't matter out here. It's fine. It's like three bucks. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, I got to put premium in mind because it's a sports, you know, high performance vehicle. But... <laughs> sure. All right. Sure. Uh, in other news, we would be remiss to not mention that August 13th came and went last Friday. Oh, yeah. And we still have what? Who's in office again? Oh, it's, yeah. Well, they Joe moved Biden. it to September twenty fifth. Oh, okay. I don't know why they didn't the pick can the down 11th. the road. Okay. You think they do the eleventh? Probably bad branding to coincide with terror. Uh, probably, yeah. probably. Yeah, we can do our media. What, what, what do you think's happening on the twenty fifth? Like, did you hear any of that shit? Nothing's happening on the twenty fifth. Just well, like nothing happened on the third. <laughs> okay, I know that. What are they saying is happening on the twenty fifth? Is that when the ten thousand sealed indictments are going to be op you know open? I. You know what I. I didn't even QAnon. Uh, yeah, I didn't even dive into that. I just got probably cancel. Damn it! I keep saying <laughs> QAnon. All right, uh, yeah, let's get into our media. Okay, so I watched Army of the Dead mm. on Netflix. It's directed by Zack Snyder. Uh, I think people know who that is, uh, starring Dave Bautista. And you know, if Dave Bautista's in it, I'll probably watch it. It is a uh, zombie movie set in Las Vegas, mm. sort of post-apocalyptically. Mm -hmm. I don't really like zombie movies very often what did you think of this it. one this was a sequel to that uh mall movie right where they were all uh, barricaded in the mall 
I'm not aware of it being a sequel. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's a sequel to, or it's in the universe of uh, Dawn of the Dead. Not Dawn of the didn't oh. didn't they have one in like 2004 or something that was? They were all. Ving Rhames was in it. I want to say it's not. Hold on. Really? Hold on. It's gonna okay. be another black guy. I'm gonna be real racist on my podcast. God damn it. Uh, Dawn of the Dead. Uh, 2004. Zack Snyder. Bing fucking Rames. Eat my butt. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Which I'm... Uh, okay. As as I said, I don't typically watch zombie movies, so oh. I don't think... I wasn't even aware. I didn't watch oh. that one. Um, It was okay. It wasn't great. It, was, it wasn't It was terrible, though. No, it wasn't as good as the first one, though. I watched this a few months ago when this came out, Alan. Oh, okay. I uh, didn't talk about it on the show, though, so I'm not upset with you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I just... I felt like the plot sucked. Um, they're... I don't know. I just it, it, Batista's fine. Uh, mm-hmm. I just I didn't feel like. Oh, he's the best part of the movie. Yeah, but I just didn't feel like anybody's roles were believable. I guess like. Well, yeah. You know, it's a zombie movie. It's a zombie movie. Yeah. All funny. right, moving on. Okay. Um, I also watched Untold: Malice at the Palace, also on Netflix. I had a friend that was um, at that game. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So it's about the November two thousand four game between the Pistons and the Pacers. Uh, I know you know. Our, our audience doesn't particularly like sports, but you probably heard about this. This is where this is almost twenty the, years old, but yeah, yeah. Some of the players went into the in, into the stands. There was a huge fight. They were throwing beer at players, and people were getting punched. Uh, it, it was it was fun to watch. I don't know. Did you check it out at all? No, I haven't. I was tempted to, but I feel like I've watched like some like Hey, remember this stuff with a yeah. lot of detail on that before. It's so just, I'm not sure I'll pick up anything new from it. It's just interesting to watch it in hindsight yeah. and see like how the media reacted yeah, to it. That's true. At yeah. that point, oh, that was uh, a huge scandal. Yeah, it was huge. Uh, hey, you want to hear a really old joke? Sure. Uh, why did Why did Ron Artest leave the game early? Why he wanted to beat the crowd. <laughs> All right, what else do you watch? Uh, so I, I read almost. I'm almost done with it. Oh, uh, this is a uh, so the book I talked about. The guy that uh, was on Sam Harris's show uh, a few weeks ago, yeah. Jeff Hawkins. He wrote a book called A Thousand Brains, where in he um, he eats a thousand brains. No, Rates no, he reviews all of them. So, so he's a former Palm Pilot CEO uh, turned neuroscientist, right. and he. Uh, sort of explains his theory of how at least part of the brain works, the neocortex specifically, and how people sort of evaluate the world, how we combine all the senses that are coming in from our, all our, you know, your, your, what you hear, what you see, what you smell, what you taste, all the, how all that stuff gets combined in your brain into a narrative that you can then move through the world with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, really interesting stuff that's like the first half of the book and the second half of the book he's really talking about how he thinks that stuff applies to ai and how if we're really going to create a general intelligence ai what that's going to look like and also he kind of uh defends his position that ai isn't as dangerous as it's been made out to be and his um, reason is i will talk about that on our power hour uh friday no but you've said it before his reason is why does he not worried about because <laughs> ais don't want to fuck Okay, that comes up actually soon. So I watched something this week. I watched The Vault because you had recommended oh, yeah. it. I thought it was fun. It was yeah. uh, it was it was a it was a good Netflix movie. Uh, yeah. The storyline was decent. I think it went on a little long. No, it wasn't too long of a movie, but it was just like okay, we got to do one more thing. But 
Uh, I thought the first five minutes were just like Titanic without all the bullshit in the middle, so I kind of like that. (laughs) I started a new show called Brand New Cherry Flavor. It, like, just came out on Netflix. I highly recommend it. It reminds me of, like, I always get David Lynch and who did – did David Lynch do Twin Twin Peaks? Peaks? Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of is like a David Lynch vibe. Um, They – it's – I don't want to spoil anything. So it's a woman that moves to Los Angeles with a script. She gets some attention and from a big time director and then things don't really go as expected. And it's a series on Netflix. Uh, I, I watched episode one and it was really hard to not watch episode two, but I always fall asleep and I knew I was going to fall asleep and I didn't want to ruin this. I, I like it that much. I'm like, Nope. Stay, I actually, keep it going. I actually, um, came across that as I was browsing and was this close to clicking on it. So yeah. I will definitely watch Definitely that. recommend yeah. it. Yeah. Cool. I also watched Raised by Wolves on HBO. It came out like a year ago. It's, it's uh, about the Nazi thing? The no, girl? No, 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 no. Uh, oh. It's from the the director of, uh, well, it's a, it's a Ridley Scott movie. Oh, okay. Ridley Scott did Alien, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it, it has that feeling to it. So a lot of the, and, and a lot of the themes. So a lot of, well, okay. So the story is about humans being raised by androids on a colonial planet. And then it gets really fucking crazy. And I think it does a good job challenging your AI doesn't want to fuck. And it proposes okay. a way that will scare you again. So I'm really glad oh. I forced you to say that earlier. Because, uh, <laughs> okay. yeah, this this show, I think, does... Um, it definitely goes too far without explaining itself, which I think is its de- its detriment. But if you're mm. okay with giving it some like poetic licensing, it's fun. It's a good movie. Right. So uh, the movie I was thinking of was Misha in the Wolves. That's what I was thinking of. Okay, Have you heard so, of that one? No. That's about some girl who claimed that she survived... Uh, Nazi Germany by um, just going running running out into the forest and Jesus. then like being raised wolves. by wolves. Wow. Yeah, wolves, 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 wolves. Okay. Uh, I also Want. watched a show called Beckett on Netflix, which was fine. It was like a chase movie. Um, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, it's good. All right, we got a couple of quotes. I mean, it's got the guy from Tenet in it, and I think it's funny. He was in a movie called Beckett and Tenet. Like, but other than that, I mean, it's, it, it's not bad, but I can't recommend it. It's, it's okay. A movie named Beckett just doesn't sound great to me. No, it reminds me of collecting baseball cards in the nineties. That was the book you'd use to check the price of the cards was Beckett oh, yeah. magazine. Yeah. Yeah. I subscribed to Beckett. Nice. All those guys going to retire on those cards, Alan. I still got them <laughs> just in case. Nice. Which one of these quotes do you like? Probably the one you sent me, right? Kind of. Wait, which one did you send? Is me? that selfish? The second one. The real problem with humanity is the following. We have paleolithic emotions, medieval institutions, and godlike technology. E.O. Wilson, September 9th, uh, 2009. E.O. Wilson is an American biologist, naturalist, and writer. Wilson is an influential biologist who on numerous occasions has been given the nickname the New Darwin. So I didn't know right. any of that. So you, you knew this guy. I didn't. Um, I just assumed uh, the listeners are as dumb as I am. I don't know. Probably I'll be honest. I wasn't all that aware of this guy either. I, yeah. I maybe had heard don't his you name. Don't think we should know the Pat- new Darwin? Well, no, because it's like Darwin already talked, dumbass. I only saw this because Patton Oswalt uh, tweeted it. So, <laughs> but I, like but I really like the quote. I like that though. Yeah, paleolithic like emotions, medieval institutions, and godlike technology. Yeah, seems pretty spot on. Yeah, that would cause conflict. 
uh, unmet, the source of conflict is unmet expectations. And that would certainly cause that. Yes, indeed. Uh, listeners, if we sound like we're really tired, it's because we did a really emotional interview with our guest for our Friday show. He is a soldier in the Air Force, Air Force flight surgeon who was in Bagram Air Base and went on to be a doctor. And we talked to him about his, well, he was a doctor then too. Uh, we <laughs> talked to him about him, about his experience in both those fields, especially uh, COVID. He really left us with some frightening words. So I encourage you to listen all the way to the end on that and hear um, his insight on how the pandemic is going versus where it could have been and where it may go. Yeah, I thought it was a really great interview. I'm excited for you guys to listen to that. So, or you know who I'm <laughs> not upset with, Alan? Who? You, buddy. No offense. <laughs> None taken. Oh, no. God bless. <laughs> that was fun. Drive safe. Is Kevin McCarthy a moron? And if so, why? Ted Cruz, go fuck yourself. Read the news. Now this is podcasting.